0: Um, before we get started, let's have uh, some special time prayer for, uh, uh, by the way, uh, did you enjoy having Jack play the bass like that? You we know, don't have a stand-up bass all the time. That was pretty good. If you see him on campus a little later on, give him, give him thanks if you would, please. Uh, and all the folks, Joyce and, and uh, Ken and the singers, uh, they've, they've been doing really well. And I want to thank God for them. Um, Let's have a word of prayer to get started. Uh, Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 14. We'll begin Romans 14. Let's have prayer. Father, we ask your grace and blessing now as we come together to seek your face. Lord, I want to ask that you would bless those who are apart from us, the men at the retreat. Pray that you'd watch over and bless them and that you'd give them... uh, a special message from you, our Father, so that they would uh, really find this time to be transformational and and, uh, a great blessing. Lord, um, we lift up those who are uh, afflicted by the fires um, all up and down the state. Lord, we pray that you would grant them special grace and peace, our Father. Um, I pray that you would protect lives, and I thank you for the firemen and women who are, who are serving on the front lines of the fire uh, against the fires. Lord, I pray that you would keep them safe during this time as well. That you would protect uh, not only uh, uh, individuals' lives, but also uh, uh, that you would have mercy on the uh, animals and, and on the homes, businesses. Lord, we pray that you would uh, grant your grace and protection and blessing there. Lord, we pray that you'd give all of us personal peace and purity in our lives. I pray that you'd make me, make all of us sensitive to what you're doing and to use us to encourage others. I pray that you would use me and others in our body to bring people to faith in, in Christ as their Savior through our witness. And that you would provide for our finances you'd keep people in, in work during this difficult time with the economy and that you would provide abundantly so we'll be able to give from that which you provide to us. We ask that you would teach us contentment. And Lord, we pray that you'd continue to keep us united as a church family. Lord, now I ask that you would open your, our eyes to your word and that you would be glorified by what we discover there together. We thank you, Father, and ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, there are things about which church folks do not always agree. Things that scripture does not address indisputably. Gray areas they're known as. Areas in which personal convictions are common, but not all are in agreement doctrinal and behavioral uh, gray areas. For example, God is sovereign, but man has a free will. Everybody falls on the scale somewhere, but not everybody agrees. Are Christians allowed to smoke or to drink alcoholic beverages? It's a gray area. Democrat, independent, Republican, those were in alphabetical order. Are you glad that the election cycle is over? Amen. I have not seen my first ad for 2012 yet, and I am blessed not to have seen an ad for that yet. I must say that President Obama, President elect Obama, who has a huge task ahead of him with all the things that are on his plate, um, it's amazing. Uh, there's great division in our country uh, over a lot of things, and he, hopefully he will be able to bring us together as a country. I will pray for President Obama. I, I trust you will pray for him, too. He's going to need our prayers, don't you think? Um, and uh, we pray our Father, uh, to our Father that he will, uh, he will draw Obama to himself during this time. These are areas about which Christians sometimes feel strongly and about which discussion and debate can become heated. I want to give you an example. This is a Catholic church sign. It says, "All dogs go to heaven." But not everybody agrees. The Presbyterians responded on their on their sign, "Only humans go to heaven. Read the Bible." <laughs> the Catholics responded, "God loves all his creations." Dogs included. The Presbyterians responded, Dogs don't have souls. This is not open for debate. The Catholics responded, Catholic dogs go to heaven. (laughs) Presbyterian dogs can talk to their pastor. Converting to Catholicism does not magically grant your dog a soul. Free dog souls with conversion." And the, re- the response, dogs are animals. There aren't any rocks in heaven either. <laughs> All rocks go to heaven. <laughs> I think they were getting a little facetious at the end there. I'm not quite sure. Um, but th- that's the kind of thing that you can see publicly happening in debate between, uh, between believers. Not everybody agrees. I don't know, dogs and rocks. There does seem to be a little bit of a difference there. We are in Romans chapter 14 today, and the context is that we are in the application portion of the book of Romans. Last time I was able to preach last year, we looked at Romans chapter 13, 11 to 14. So look with me at verse 11 of chapter 13, just a few verses above 14:1. And this do, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Now this seems to me to be a a climactic application, but God led Paul to comment on crucial relationship problems which crop up between believers in the body of Christ. The first is found in our passage today, Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. And now take out your, if you haven't taken out your uh, notes already, you can pull out your notes and, and fill in these two blanks. Our big idea for today is stop judging one another and leave the judging to God. Stop judging one another and leave the judging to God. The problem, judging one another. Chapter 14, verse 1. Now, except the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Accept one another. Um, passing judgment is diakrisis, which is to uh, uh, is not a it's not actually not a verb. It's it's a noun. It means quarrels, judgments. Um, don't accept somebody just for the purpose of getting involved in quarrels with them. Over opinions, opinions or reasonings, diakrises, excuse me, diologisman. No man has faith that he may eat all things, it says in verse 2, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. This is a definition of strong and weak Christians. One has faith to eat all things, strong in contrast with the weak one described in the second half of verse 2. The weak one only eats vegetables can't handle the thought of eating meat offered to idols. Perhaps this is a Jew who has come to faith in Christ but still obeys the kosher food laws and particularly wishes to avoid eating anything that's been offered to an idol. Perhaps this is a Gentile who wishes to avoid going back to his or her old idol worship by eating meat offered to idols can understand where people would be very concerned about those things verse 3 let not him who eats regard with a let not him who eats regard with contempt him who does not eat and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats for god has accepted him the one who eats should not despise Reject with contempt or treat with contempt the one who does not eat. The one who does not eat should not judge the one who eats. Now, my observation is, in areas that are gray, in areas under dispute, people tend to think that their own views are the right ones. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, I probably have the wrong view, but I believe... That's not how people respond. They usually hold the beliefs they hold because they think they're the right ones. Isn't that true? But people have these these observations because they, they think they are the strong Christian. Whether they eat or don't eat, they think that's the right thing to do and they think it's the strong thing to do. From Paul's perspective, it doesn't matter whether you eat or don't eat. It matters how we treat one another about it. Right or wrong, here is not uh, right or wrong is not the issue here. It is a matter of opinion, opinion, not biblical truth and falsehood. To judge or despise the opinions or convictions held by others, to advocate one, to advocate one's own opinions as better is better than or the right opinions against the opinions of others is legalistic. For me to try and force my non biblical opinions on you would be inappropriate. This applies to all grayers, for example, alcoholic beverages. The Bible clearly condemns drunkenness. We saw earlier in verse 13 of Romans 13, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness. Again, Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. So drunkenness, intoxication, is is clearly uh, condemned in the scriptures. But drinking wine is not forbidden. Jesus himself provided the finest wine at the wedding in Canaan. Wine was even recommended in moderation for health reasons. Paul did this in First Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. They didn't have bottled water back then. They didn't have water systems uh, that were... Uh, free of bacteria, so in order to, to purify the water, they would commonly uh, drink highly diluted wine. Our church does not forbid the drinking of wine, but our elders take on the commitment not to drink alcoholic beverages as a matter of testimony. It's an area under dispute. Bible versions... I really believe, as a Bible teacher, that a literal translation, the King James Version, the New King James Version, the New American Standard, my own personal preference, is vital for accurate Bible study, and I urge people to consider such translation choice for their use. The Bibles in the backs of the chairs are New American Standard Bibles, for that reason. Um, But I shouldn't be legalistic about it. the NIV and the Living Bible and others, concept-for-concept concept translations and paraphrases, have their place and they are okay for Bible reading. I would still urge you to have a literal Bible for your Bible study, but, but you know what? God can speak to you through these versions. The only Bible that cannot speak that God cannot use to speak to you is one that is not read. So make sure you read whatever Bible you, translation you prefer. Education options. At least three viable options are available, each with its own advantages. Public school meets college standards, or should. Extra costs are relatively low, and good pos, there's a good possibility to develop evangelistic relationships. That's a good thing. Private school, good quality instructors. uh, uh, Good quality instruction, smaller class sizes, but costs are increased. Homeschool, individualized attention for students. That's very good. Controlled moral aspect, but requires added cost and large commitment of time uh, uh, on the parent as instructor. Every family must make a choice. All three choices require parental involvement for their children, for their students to succeed. Have you noticed that's true? In order for students to succeed in school, they need their parents to be involved, to be highly involved. Whether they're in public school or private school or home school, Parents are gonna have to be involved to one extent or another, probably more than less. Our family chose to excel in public schools as an outreach to the community and the families of the students. Um, And our kids did excel. And as a result, we got to know their teachers, we got to know their principals, we got to know uh, the superintendent and we were able to have an impact on uh, the school district and what classes were taught and all those kinds of things. It's a little bit different today than it was when my kids went to school, but we were able to have an impact. But, but that's not for everybody. Other families make uh, other choices and they've, have also succeeded and done well. But the point is not what you choose to do. It's how you treat other people who have made other choices political philosophy and party affiliations. Everybody has views of one kind or another. I hold strong views. You hold strong views about, uh, about our politics and whom we support and what we choose to support. But I try to keep a lid on, on my views so that they do not become a reason for division in the family or the church family, uh, in our immediate family, we have people who do not vote all the same way. Makes for interesting discussions when we get across the country to be with one another. Geneva holds my views, at least I think she does. But I prize peace in the family more than I prize my political viewpoints. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If you understand, just feel free to be like, one of those little dolls in the back of the car, you know? Yeah, where's yeah, we're Stan when I need him? He said, they're a treat, of course. Um, I'm reminded how easy it is to slip and to hurt folks who hold different perspectives. We need to be careful about how we do that. The vital thing is not to be legalistic not to judge the opinions of others, not to despise, that's the word, despise the choices of others. Tone of voice conveys everything. You're told that your daughter has decided to homeschool her son. Your response is, cool. Or your response is, that's really cool. Or your response is, well, that's cool. Your tone of voice says everything about the way that you're you're responding. We need to control not only what we say, but how we say it. I, I would even go further. You know how animals can tell your emotions when you, you know, fear. They can almost smell fear on you. They can sense fear. You know how animals can do that? You know how animals can do that. Well, people have the same kind of detector when it comes to Unspoken views that are critical of their views. They can see it in your face. They can see it in the way you hold yourself. They can see it by what you say. They can hear it by what you say and how you say it every other way. We have to be so careful that what we do, what we say, and what we don't say, we have to be careful that that doesn't destroy someone else whom we love ourselves, and whom the Lord loves, too. Okay, back to Romans 14, verse 1, and verses 3 and 4. Uh, now, accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Except, proslam the, is to receive, that's the blank there, receive, accept into one society, one another. You know, I remember very much what high school was like. It was not a good time. Some people look back on high school days and it was a good time. Because they were part of the in-group. They had groups, you know, everybody was a part of a very identified group when they were in high school. Do you remember that? I remember... I remember there were the athletes, the jocks. They were the tough ones, man. They were the ones everybody wanted to be around. Then there were the cheerleaders and the popular people. They were, they were, they were kind of fun, but they were kind of standoffish. Then there, were, uh, then there were the slackers. It didn't take much to be a member of that group. And then there were, uh, uh, there were the Bible people, the, the, the Christian group. They were kind of over by themselves. They wanted to talk to people, but nobody wanted to talk to them. And then there were the brains. There were the, the people who were uh, in the push the group. And I got to tell you, trying to pick one of those groups and figure out where you stayed, where you belonged, and so on and so forth, it was very odd. But I'll tell you what happened. I was drawn to Jesus Christ when I visited church because there was a girl I wanted to meet. When she rejected me, I found that the people accepted me. That's the same word. They included me in the group. And I stayed long enough to hear the gospel that Sunday. And I stayed long enough to receive Christ later that morning and I've never laughed. That's accepting one another. Verse 3, we have the same word. Verse 3 says, Let not him who eats regard with contempt him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has accepted him. The reason why we don't judge one another, the reason why we do not despise one another, is because God has accepted him. That's the same word. God has included him. Not into whatever group he's a part of, the popular people, the not so popular people, the slackers, whatever. He's accepted him into the body of Christ, the family of God. We should too. Accepted, that's the blank there for you. We have no standing to judge the servant of another, the servant. Who is res- the servant is responsible to his Lord. And the Lord is able to make him stand to use his choices. Verse four. Verse 4 says, Who are you to judge the servant of another to his own mastery stands or falls? And stand he will, for the Lord is able to make him stand. The big idea is to stop judging one another and leave the judging to God. Whatever we do, it must be, we must do it for the Lord. Verses 5 to 8, verse 5. Convictions we, are, we hold should not be about what God wants, excuse me, should be about what God wants in our lives. One man regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. A second illustration of different opinions has to do with whether or not to observe special days or not. Colossians 2.16 Therefore let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink that's the same thing we've seen already or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. If you came out of a Jewish background you had special days. If you came out of a religious uh, non-Jewish background you had special days. And people tended to want to enjoy or to, to observe those days regards here in verse uh, in verse 5 is actually judges paul's point here is not which which opinion is right or wrong but rather that everyone should have come to a settled conviction in his or her own mind in every gray area and about debatable issues verse 6 he who observes he who observes the day observes it for the lord And he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. He who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. We do everything we do for God. And if somebody's doing it for God, we shouldn't be down on their case. We ought to be loving toward them, and and, uh, maybe God will open the door for us to see what the scriptures have to say about it, but not to reject them. Verse 6. Um, he who observes the day, we have already looked at that, I cannot eat pork. I have physical problems, disease type problems, that prevent me from eating pork. I miss bacon. I really, 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 really do. (laughs) But if someone recently became a believer from Orthodox Jewish background and chooses not to eat pork because of their understanding or past acceptance of the Levitical food laws, that's okay. They're restricting themselves for their own reasons. We ought not to be putting them down for that. Should we judge them? No. It's Between them and the Lord. We live or we die in light of the fact that we belong to the Lord. Belong is your word. Verse 7. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. Our life or death is not about us. Let me repeat that. Our life or death is not about us. I hope you get that. That is really true. It's really important. For you and me, as believers in Jesus, life and death is not about us, it's about the Lord. My living in a wheelchair is not about me. It's not about the Lord. It's about what the Lord is doing with my life. MS is not a choice that I made. It's something that God said, here you go, Eric. I've got a plan. Okay, Lord, let's go. Let's roll. Neck pain. I've been experiencing in the last few days. That's on me because I have bad posture. My parents always told me that that I slumped, and it was true. I try to tell them to leave me alone, but it's true. I have bad posture. like to blame it on MS, but I can't completely. And I sleep on my side, so I have a crick in my neck, and it bugs me. I can look over real well this way. Ow, I can't do it that way. That's on me. That's part of life. But I do what I do. I live with what I live with, because God is working in my life. You live with with what you live with. You've got a cowlick that you can never comb into place. Where did that cowlick come from? Got to be your parents' fault, right? In the genes? No. The Lord is working on your appearance, the Lord is working on everything about you in your life. Do it for the Lord. Verse 8. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Whether we live or die, we do it for the Lord. We need to consciously make the decision that everything we do is going to be done because I am the Lord's servant, because you are the Lord's servant, because we're doing it because it's pleasing to him. The big idea is stop judging one another and leave the judging to God. Verses 9 to 12. Christ died and rose that he might be our Lord. Our Lord, in verse 9. For to this end Christ died and lived again that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why did Christ die on the cross? Well, he died so that he could pay for my sins. That's true. He died so that he could give believers new life. That's also true. But the purpose that Paul emphasized here, what was it that he said? That he might be Lord of the dead and of the living so that he could be your master. So he could be your Lord. He was Lord from the beginning. From before the beginning of our world, for the founding of our world, he was Lord, he was Yahweh, he is Yahweh. But now through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, he is the Lord, our master for every one of us, whether alive or dead. Each of us will give account of himself to God verses 10 to 12 account is your word there but you why do you judge your brother or you again why do you regard your brother with contempt for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God Paul asks these rhetorical questions to get his readers to ask themselves why do I judge my brother why do I despise my sister why when the reality is, we will all stand before his judgment seat, his Bema seat, God's Bema seat. Here it is called the judgment seat of God, but God has given all judgment to Jesus. He says in John 5, For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. The judgment seat is equally identified with the Father and the Son. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, uh, it's identified with Jesus. Therefore also we have as our, as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the beam of seat of Christ, that each may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. This is a judgment for our works. The beam of seed is a judgment, seed, uh, judgment on evaluation that God makes of the works of the deeds of believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is through fire. This is not a judgment as to whether or not a person is saved or not. Let me say that again. The, the judgment seat of God, the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment as to to determine who will go to be with God in heaven. It's already been determined because it it is something that is true for you whether or not you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior or not. That's what gets you into heaven. This judgment is not about that. This judgment is about how God is going to reward or not reward you for the things that you have done as a believer in Jesus Christ, you can do the right things for the wrong reasons and not be rewarded it 's all about the attitude and about what God wants us to do. You know ephesians two eight and nine for by, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. it is the gift of God not as a result of uh, of works of righteousness. that that no one should boast. For, it says in verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. He wants us to do the things that are pleasing him. He wants us to do the things that he will be able to use in our lives and the lives of others. And those are the things by his grace that he chooses to reward. I say by his grace because there's nothing we can do that pleases him unless jesus is doing it in us i think it's john 15 5 apart from him you can do nothing so that is what we need to do we need to live our lives in light of the fact that that one day we will have our works our lives will be evaluated by the lord at the judgment seat of christ verse 11 for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. Whether dead or alive, every tongue will, will praise God. This is a quote from Isaiah forty five twenty three. I have sworn by myself, The word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness, And will not turn back, That to me every knee will bow, Every tongue will swear allegiance. Every time, we'll confess, and this is especially true of believers, of you and me. Whether we choose to do so now or not, we will be doing it eventually. Verse 12. So then, each one of us shall give account of himself to God. We shall all give account of ourselves to God. Literally, account is a logos, a word a report, an accounting. You are not responsible for my behavior. Praise God for that. You should be. I am st- not responsible for your behavior. I'm okay with that. It's good. We will each stand for our own behavior, and it will be judged by the Lord. Thus, stop judging one another and leave the judging to God. God's judgment of us as believers is coming. That should give each of us as believers pause. Something something about which we should reflect. Am I living in such a way that I am pleasing to the Lord? As a believer, I will reside forever in heaven as one of his children, but but there are, these judgments are an indication that there's more. There's reward. There's, there's reward for things that please the Lord. I want to live my life in a manner that pleases the Lord and for which, if he deems it worthy, he will be able to reward me. I want to do that. Uh, I hope you do too. I don't do what I do because I'm keeping a list. Well, now God's going to have to reward me for that. Mm. I want a reward for that one. Yeah, I better do that too. If, I think if you make a list like that, doesn't that disqualify you from getting right? I think it probably does. But if we're seeking to please the Lord, if because we love the Lord, we want to do the right things, I think that he will choose to reward us for those things. I thank God that he's the one that determines that because I would make a very poor judger of what is right and wrong. And I will probably be surprised by, that I will not be surprised at the loss, that I, the things that get burned up when I'm judged. But I will be very blessed to see the things that he chooses to reward me for. I think that we will all be surprised. But we need to make those choices. We need to look for those things in our lives that are a matter of, it's a matter of pleasing him, a matter of obeying him that will please him. I preached about rewards, and it's in the RBC website archives in 2000, 2006. They let me preach like once a year, usually at the retreat. So look for those if you're interested. Are you ready to answer these two questions? I want to ask everybody that here today. If you die tonight, would you go to be with God, with the Lord in heaven? Well, oh, I love hearing that. That is so good. Well, what would you tell God is the reason why he should let you into heaven? Let me give you several suggestions. I, I, I did the best I could. I did more good than bad. I went to church. I read my Bible. There's only one answer that's going to be received and open the door for us to be able to go into heaven. Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins, to give me eternal life as a gift. And I received it through faith. There are lots of ways of saying that particular statement, but that's it. It's Jesus, not me. I just received what he did for me. I don't know where everybody is here. I can't look into your hearts, but perhaps there is someone here who needs to make that decision today. You can make that decision and you can express it to God even now as we pray. Let's close. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know where everybody is and where every heart is. I pray that you would open now our hearts and communicate. Lead us, talk to us, move us to have trust in Jesus as the Savior, the one who died for us. If you need to receive Jesus as your Savior today, if you've never done that before, I urge you, I'll give you a chance to pray as I I lead you. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I deserve to be separated from you forever. But you loved me and you sent Jesus to pay for my sins. I receive that gift right now. I am trusting in you, Jesus, to save me by what you did on the cross. Thank you. Father, Jesus could return for us at any time. Keep that in the front of our minds. I want to stop judging and despising others. Lord, I pray that you would cause all of us to desire to stop judging and despising others. We need to leave the judging to you. Please make that happen in my life. Make that happen in all of our lives, I ask our Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.